The Daily Tap is live for Tuesday. We're back at the mic. Hope you guys are doing well. We're going to go over Packer Titan storylines. We're also going to talk about the Bucks and Hawks, why Marjan is the real deal. Uh, and we'll talk about the injuries a little bit as well. We'll get into a Chuck's Corner, kind of sports adjacent. I just want to talk about, I think the whole idea of people not standing at Lambeau Field is dead. So we'll get into all of that and much more before we get going. Just a reminder, social media, Tammy Keg on Twitter, Tammy Keg Sports on Instagram and TikTok. Let's talk about that real quick before I get going. It's been a little bit of a slow five or six days on those channels. Uh, we'll try to pick it up. Uh, just one of those kind of malaise-ish I get into these bad, bad trends where I stop doing all the things I want to. Um, I've had a bunch of ideas, and it's just a matter of getting down and doing them. So hopefully, we'll get back to business and get you guys what you need and what you expect out of the Tapping the Keg brand. Uh, make sure that you're also rating and reviewing the podcast. Uh, if you haven't for some reason, uh, make sure that you're dropping that into Apple, into Spotify, it would be much appreciated. Um, if you are new to the program, you're coming in from one of the social channels or from something else, uh, make sure that you're hitting that subscribe button. Whether that is on Apple, whether that's on Spotify, Google Play, the whole thing, we'll love to have you. All right, let's waste some more time and let's talk Packer Titan storylines. So with a Thursday night game, everything is pushed up. Matt LaFleur said that he stayed at Lambeau Field on Sunday night to prepare for the Titans game. So like Matt, Matt LaFleur, we are pushing everything up. We have Mitch tomorrow. We have Shannon with Keg Jams on set on Wednesday or for Thursday show, excuse me. So like we are going to be all systems go. So of course, we're going to talk storylines. And we actually haven't done it in a while. Um, this has been a couple week hiatus, if you will. I think most of it was just based on different topics, different conversations. And so, yeah, we're back at it. Packers-Titans. It's a game that I think works well for Amazon. It's Amazon's first Packer game. There will be a lot of people outside of the Milwaukee and Green Bay area looking for the game, but it should be an exciting one. The weather's going to be cold. Al, Dave, Al, Davis, Al Michaels finally going back to Lambeau Field. Al, I swear Al Michaels swore off Lambeau Field for so long, and now we're making Al's ass go back there, and it's going to be really cold in Lambeau. So I hope Al doesn't phrase like, I love Al Michaels, but I swear to God, the guy never would come to Lambeau Field, and I have no idea why. I hope actually he tells tells that story, you know, in the beginning of the broadcast because I love to hear Al's voice. I'm happy Al's going to be there in the mix for Packers and Titans, and there is a lot to get to in this game. Uh, you know, these two teams will know each other a little bit because of the familiarity between Matt Lafleur and Mike Vrabel. Matt Lafleur on Vrabel staff was the offensive coordinator before taking the Packers job, so he knows what Vrabel wants to do to Defensively, Vrabel equally knows what LaFleur wants to do offensively. Now, Vrabel's not calling the plays anymore defensively. That belongs to Matt, uh, Shane Bowen, excuse me. Let's say Matt Bowen. He's a former Packer safety now on ESPN. But yes, uh, there is, there's still that familiarity, and that will still matter uh, when the Packers and Titans clash. 
and LaFleur got the better of them when they played in 2020 when the Packers ran all over the Tennessee Titans winning 40 to 14. People forget that that was actually a close game for a second. The Packers had jumped out to a 19-6 lead in the snow and the Titans actually brought it back to a 19 to 14 game before Green Bay just went off. Devontae Adams had a massive day in that game. A.J. Dillon had a really big day. Uh, it was a all in all a very good Packers win and it was right before the start of the playoffs and Right after that, you had the David Bakhtiari ACL tear before the last game of the season. And everything changed there. And you guys know I've said it a hundred times in the show, but I truly believe the Packers have a Super Bowl if David Bakhtiari does not tear his ACL in 2020. But that's here and are there. And the Packers are four and six and trying to get themselves back into the playoff race. Now, it is not out of the war, out of this question. There's a lot that still can happen. We talked a lot about it yesterday. So if you missed yesterday's podcast, which I understand it went up late. So if you did miss that podcast, we did talk in great detail about kind of where the Packers stand from a playoff perspective. And as I said on yesterday's show, I'm not really going to look at the playoffs too heavily, you know, every time, you know, we, we are talking Packers. Like we'll talk about it once every week and then we'll kind of flush it and we'll be like, all right, here's where I stand. Here's who lost. Here's who won. And I think that's the best way to approach it versus trying to every day figure out the scenarios that put the Packers into the playoffs. We just have to see where the chips lie. I think it was very interesting today that the Philadelphia Eagles lost to the Washington Commanders. I've been saying for a couple of weeks now that I've had a lot of friends who are like not believers in the Eagles. I was probably more of a believer than some of my buddies, and they look right. I mean, the Washington Commanders control that game. I know there was a lot of shit, shoddy officiating, but still, I that's a great win for Washington. And now you look at that Packer loss to the Commanders with Taylor Heineke and it kind of changes your perspective, right? The commanders are, are budgeting up against the playoff spot. They actually have the advantage over the Packers, which is a little troublesome. But now you have two games against the Giants for the commanders, which look a lot more difficult for the Giants, which again could come come help the Packers a little bit as you're looking at potential losses for New York and hopefully New York can kind of fade back. I don't know if Daniel Jones has what it takes to lead them back to the playoffs, but see how see how easy it is to talk playoffs. Like I just mentioned, I'm like, oh, we're going to talk about it once and then flush it and you get on to Washington. But yeah, Washington adds a new element and a new layer, but it also shows that there are, there's opportunities to get back in the mix. And if Green Bay wins, Friday, everyone's talking about Green Bay possibly getting into that playoff spot. If they lose, it'll be back again to throwing dirt on the Packers. And it was just a mirage with the Mike McCarthy thing. And it's 4-7. and seven, And the spiral kind of continues on what has been a hellacious year besides a little bit of bright spots in, yes, in last week's game. So let's move on to some of the other storylines in this one. We kind of talked about the... I would say the national media Murph topics, right? The Lafleur-Vrabel angle, the Packer playoff angle. But I think another one that's in that mix, but definitely the key storyline is stopping Derrick Henry, right? That is priority number one. Now in that 2020 game, Henry only had 98 yards on 23 carries. Remember, that was when the Packers' run defense was terrible. I, I don't think that was Mike Patton. I still think that might have been Joe Barry, right? Uh, I think it was Patton. Yeah, it was Patton Stell, right? No. Yeah, I think so. I can't re remember. Was it Joe Barry? Ah, whatever. It doesn't matter. I, Joe Barry was last year, so I was, it must have been Patton. 
Um, but anyways, yeah, they did a great job in Derrick Henry. And I think you have to watch that tape and see what they did differently. Henry also didn't really do well against Denver after having a really big game against Kansas City. Maybe it was a little bit of a hangover, right? Because he was relied on so much in that Kansas City game. And that the, the Denver game did not work out well for him. And now he has a short break. And it's a Thursday night appearance. Now, you could also, the inverse of trying to tackle Derrick Henry on short rest can't feel great, right? Cannot feel good. It's going to be cold weather, cold climates. Derek, I know this this kind of lines up for Derrick Henry, but I do think the Packers will have a good game plan as to how to stop Derrick Henry because there there's no need to guard the Titans receivers. I know uh, Nick Westbrook-Akina had a massive day uh, against the Denver Broncos. I still don't look at the Titans wide receivers and take them all that seriously. The tight, tight, tight ends aren't very good. They really are just Derrick Henry and a bunch of guys. And the Packers just have to focus in on how to stop Henry and not let him get loose. He's going to have some big carries, yeah. All right? Like, it's unrealistic to not think Derrick Henry won't have a 15-yard run or a 20-yard scamper, right? That's that's just who he is. He's one of the best running backs in football. But if you can kind of contain him and not get him going and not let him control the game, you're going to win this football game. And that has to be a focus for this Green Bay team. Another storyline is will the design runs continue? Remember, Green Bay ran a lot of design runs. It was the most that Green Bay has done from a design perspective since 2010, I believe. Or no, 2018, excuse me. But it was the least amount of passes that Aaron Rodgers has thrown since 2010. So will that continue? It's going to be very chilly at Lambeau Field. It's going to be even colder than it was on Sunday. Green Bay needs to pound the rock. Green Bay needs to stick with that formula. Don't go away from what worked, right? Could Can you kind of alter some things? Yeah, sure. You want to provide some different looks, do some different things. Will Tennessee be keen on the run? Absolutely. So maybe you do need to pass the ball a little bit more. There were a couple like counter runs where Rodgers would do these, it kind of an exaggerated play action. And I told my wife who was with me at the game, and I sometimes shock talk with my wife. And I was like, I think he's going to throw at one point. He never did. And I'll be curious to see if that comes out where all of a sudden it's Watson sprinting down the sidelines because because Rodgers has rolled out in a play action kind of set up there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see that early, right? You try to get the Titans off guard where they're all sitting on run, ready for run, and then you throw something over the top. Titans secondary is nothing to nothing to get excited about. They, their defense is full of nobodies and actually pretty pretty good, and we can talk a little bit about that. They they've been awesome against the run. Uh, they have stopped. The, they're like one of the best, actually the best team against the run since week three. But I, I will also look at the guys they faced since week three from a running back perspective, and it's not that exciting. There's not many big names there. Jonathan Taylor is probably the only guy, and I and I don't even know if he played that week. I didn't fact check it. You guys can look week four. I think he did, uh, but they haven't really played any running backs besides him. And so those numbers might be a little bit inflated for the Titans, and you just – that's – I think that's always the wonder with Tennessee, right? They Their schedule does not lead you with much of like, oh my God, the Titans have played, you know, these awesome teams and they just keep beating good teams, right? They got washed by the Bills. They lost by one to the Giants. They barely beat that Vegas Raiders team. They beat the Colts twice. They beat the Commanders. They beat the Texans. 
they held in with the Chiefs. I mean, that was an incredible game, and they deserve credit for that. That's like a moral – he'd say it's a moral victory, but it is with Malik Willis at quarterback. They still lost the football game, and and then they beat the Denver Broncos. So it's like I know I know the Packers aren't this creme de la creme team like they usually are, but if you're looking at it from the Packers' schedule and you look at who the Packers have went through, whether it's the Giants, whether it's the Jets, whether it's the Commanders, whether it's the Cowboys, the Patriots, like – all those teams are either in the playoffs or hovering around the playoffs. That's all. The Packers are battle-tested, and I would say they're more battle-tested than the Titans. Titans could have the advantage from an injury perspective as they've they've been the walking wounded. But I, I can't look at the Titans' schedule and say, oh, yeah, this team is just an, has just went through an absolute gauntlet and still somehow they only have two losses on the season. They've actually benefited, and this was – probably their second toughest road game right next to Kansas City. And you could argue maybe it's even tougher. Who knows? I, I It's here nor there. But they are missing a lot of guys on that defense already. And yeah, there could be some real opportunities to take advantage of the secondary. That is not much maligned. I wouldn't say it's much maligned, but it's like they don't have many, they don't have much in the secondary. Also, what's your favorite quarterback in the mix of the teams we listed? No one's on the level of Aaron Rodgers. Even if Aaron Rodgers is an MVP level Aaron Rodgers, nobody nobody comes close to what we have with Aaron Rodgers here. So I think you have to take that into consideration when thinking about this football game. So we did mention how the Titans run game has been solid or against the run, excuse me, defensively. A.J. Dillon had a massive game in 2020. He broke out. That was the A.J. Dillon game. 120 20 yards. I think he had 21 carries. It looked like A.J. Dillon was taking the throne from Aaron Jones, which proved not to be true. But could A.J. Dillon have an encore? Similar conversation we have with Derrick Henry, where it probably sucks to tackle him on short rest. Titans are already banged up as it is. They play a physical brand of football. And now you have to go back on Thursday in Lambeau, in the cold, and you have to try to tackle A.J. Dillon. I would imagine they go back to some of that that they did in that 2020 game. I think they will see more Dylan. I wouldn't be surprised if Dylan has more carries. Remember, he had 13 in the game against Dallas. I think it will be something similar. I still think you'll get a lot of Aaron Jones, but it wouldn't surprise me if they try to use Dylan again to attack and kind of go strength on strength with the Tennessee Titans and see who is the bigger the bigger dick in the Cracker Factory, right? Uh, so we'll have to have to check out check that out. Couple things about a couple other storylines to discuss. Who's going to take back punts for the Green Bay Packers? I think that is a huge question mark. They've already said that Amari Rodgers will not be back there. Uh, Rich Passaccia, Matt Lafleur. Both said that Amari Rodgers will not be back taking back punts. He will not get released. He's a vital part on your special teams. I actually think offensively, I've seen a couple flashes. I've acknowledged, I said it on yesterday's pod, that Amari Rodgers will never sort of make it to probably be a great Packer. I do want to do the the round three curse uh, podcast, and maybe that's a good one next week as we're maybe a little more evergreen as it's Thanksgiving week, and we'll we'll have to kind of ramp up to talk about the Eagles and Packers, which will be a great game, and obviously want to get through Tennessee first, but that will be one that definitely warrants a lot of discussion. That said, Amari will not be back taking punts, and it, whether it's Keshawn Nixon, whether it's somebody else, Kylan Hill would be another name that I think you could see. Uh, back there taking back the punts. I know he's more of a kick return guy. He hasn't done it 
uh, for the Packers this season. Keshawn Nixon did it last week. So is it going to be Nixon again, or could you potentially see Hill? I do feel bad for Amari Rodgers. I, I was frustrated as anybody with him. I, I thought the Packers having him out there a third, you know, after two mistakes was reckless and it proved they, you know, it proved to be. They had it happen to them yet again. And the thing about Tennessee is they have a really good punter. Their rookie punter, uh, Ricky Stenhouse. Uh, not to be confused, it's is it Sten, Stenhouse? I just had it. I was reading through Titan Titans Reddit, which is oh, it's a good way to do research. I'll admit, but you know, every fans are weird. You know, we had two posts on a guy with an ass eating season jersey, which I expect nothing more from Nashville. But what's his fucking name? I I just had it. Ryan Stonehouse, not Ricky Stenhouse. Ricky Stenhouse, I think, is an ass car driver. Um, but Ryan Stonehouse is a great name. Like that, that shouldn't be a punter name. That should be like, you should be like a tight end. Like I just got watching, done watching Yellowstone, uh, the first episode. Not, not really great. First two episodes, by the way, little Yellowstone review. I, what, like, what are we doing here? Like very much like setting the scene and I, not a ton of action. Um, just was a little disappointed, not gonna lie. Uh, but as I told my wife, like you have the cachet to do it when you're Taylor Sheraton and you've had five years of bangers. Everybody fucking loves the show, so no one, no one's really gonna hold them hostage for having a, a bad start to the se to the season. But anyways, Ryan Stonehouse, um, great name. He should be probably on Yellowstone with that with that name. But yeah, he's a really good punter, and so that adds to the mix and that adds to the challenge for whoever is the new new punter turner. And there'll be a lot of pressure on him, no matter who who, who the name is. Last storyline I have for you, and I honestly think this is the biggest one, is the Packers just need to jump out. And the Packers haven't done that. Uh, that's been something that they have struggled with this year. Uh, Matt LaFleur mentioned it. I think he mentioned it after the Washington game, hilariously enough. And they and they could have jumped out against Detroit, right? And then you had the two turnovers. And the, Detroit gave them every opportunity to jump out to a big lead, and they just couldn't do it, and which is frustrating as it is. But, yeah. The, the Packers need to jump out to that big lead. And if they can somehow get up 14-0 or 10-0 against this Tennessee team that can't really throw the ball and Ryan Tannehill again a little banged up, uh, that's going to work out in Green Bay's favor. And that could really benefit what the Packers want to do. And yeah, the, the more you get out, the easier this game is going to be for Green Bay. But yeah, it, it, starting fast has not necessarily been a thing for this Packers team, which is rare, which is something we haven't seen last couple of years. Last couple of years, it's like they jump out and all of a sudden it's like 10 nothing Packers and after the first quarter. Uh, we haven't necessarily seen that version of Green Bay. So hopefully they can kind of revive that and come back to life and be a very good first quarter team. I know there are some who do a lot of first quarter betting and the Packers have cost them a lot of money this year. And I, I hate that. I hate that for for those people uh, who are those first quarter people. Shout out. But yes, it should be a fun game. I'm excited for Packers Titans. Thursday night's also, like, it's terrible for the players, right? We all know that. We don't need to do all the hand wringing bullshit. But let's be honest, like, Thursday night's a great viewing experience because, as a fan, you go, all right, you just did a Sunday game. You didn't get your heart broken, so like you don't have to wait the entire week. You get get football again Thursday. 
You probably get to have a few libations, get to, you know, get buzzed up, get a little liquored up, have fun. Maybe if you're younger, you go out Thursday night for the game. Uh, then, then you parlay that into just going out for the night, seeing what you can end up with. Like there, there, the opportunities are endless on a Thursday. And I, I know that you like, oh, you got to work the next day, but like we're already, we, and we're getting close to like holiday season. So if you're not working in retail or anything, like the, these Fridays are getting more and more casual as we go on. Uh, so yeah, I'm all in on, on this. This is a great spot for a Thursday night too, right? Uh, you could probably do a Packer party, uh, some some form of that. Like I, it's just a good one. Like it's just a good day to have a game. I'm for it. I, I had some friends who told me I should go back up to Lambo. That I was the good luck charm. Um, I will tell you, I could probably find a way up to Lambo. I saw that Ticketmaster. The the seats are pretty cheap right now. A lot of Milwaukee selling this game, which is gutless in its own right, but that's here nor there. Um, I will tell you, I'm probably not. It would it would take a lot to get me up to Lambo on Thursday. Like, I think a scenario. I'm trying to think of what would get me up to Lambo. I think if it was free, I would consider it okay number one if it's free i'd consider it number two i think it would be if i could work work in green bay friday friday like we were cool with me working in green bay friday as long as we were driving home that night because the thing about milwaukee games which i haven't done a lot of them i think I, the last one i did was against indy we lost that game uh one of my few packer losses i've seen which was that a 2018 season what season was that i think it was but anyways uh that drive home just sucks. That's that's not a great drive home. There's nothing you really can do. So if it's like, hey, we're working in Green Bay on Friday, I'd be like, yeah, I'm all in. Uh, that would be a way I'd come come to the game. I think also if I had a suite, like if I was like, yeah, we're, we have suite tickets, you can go inside, outside, definitely going. And it's not that I'm scared of the cold. Like I can go, I've, I've done cold weather games. Like I went to the fucking playoff game last year. So don't talk to me about cold weather. It's just more... It's the back-to-back of it all, right? Like, just like the players, like I need some time to recuperate. That voice, the let's go voice is not gonna not gonna be at full peak on Thursday. Uh, it would be on full peak if it was Sunday, but yeah, Thursday, we still gotta get those vocal cords right, especially when I'm talking to you guys all the time. So yes, I would do it, but it would, it would come at a price, okay? So I, if anyone's listening and you're like, hey, wanna invite Chuck to the game, it's good luck. Uh, that's that's the price I have. Those are my those are my rules. Those are my regulations, and and hope hope everybody respects my wishes on this. Oh man, just clouded. Uh, obviously, all jokes, all love. Uh, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks, who lost again to the Atlanta Hawks. So the Milwaukee Bucks have now lost three of their last four games. Uh, the Bucks have a ten and three record on the season. There is a little bit of panic setting in from some fans. I would tell you. Don't worry. I heard people like, be like, oh, the Hawks are worrisome. My guy Dubes said that, which I told Dubes, like, hey, look, we got to see this at full strength, right? Hopefully when these teams play in, G- in January on the 11th in Atlanta, we have everybody healthy, right, on both sides. So we can just really see if Atlanta is as good as we think they are. And I, I don't, I'm not there yet, right? Like, I think it's been a good start for the Hawks. Hawks had a really tough schedule. This could have easily went sideways for Atlanta. It didn't. Uh, so, and maybe maybe the Hawks are good, right? Maybe we have to consider the Hawks as a top three team 
in the Eastern Conference, but I'm I'm still dubious of it, right? And I mean, they do have the third, eighth best defensive rating in the NBA. Their net overall for the season, we're looking at it's the Hawks here. Hawks are 11th actually, and their offense is at 112, so that's interesting. I will also say the defensive ratings are kind of down, right? Like you have everything's bunched. It's crazy. I was just looking at it the other day because I use it as a resource for gambling. And everybody's net ratings are all over the place right now. There is no one that is like any higher than seven, but also no lower. The lowest is 9.6, negative 9.6, the Rockets. Like I do think we have a clear like bottom three between the Spurs, Rockets, and Pistons. And then you have the Lakers and the Hornets. But after that, so interesting enough here, the Knicks are have a, have a net rating of minus 2.3, and that's 25th in the NBA, right? 2.3 on the other side is the Sixers at 10. So look at that just bunch right now. It's, it's way too early, and I, I think that's the point, right? It's way too early to be worried about this shit. It's way too early to get to get wound up and like, oh yeah, the Hawks are a problem. We have to worry about the Hawks in the playoffs. Like, it's it's November, all right. Like, I think if this was February, May, Bucks or February, March, excuse me, Bucks had all their guys. Like, yeah, for sure. I think that definitely we have to have a conversation. But I'm not there yet. I just expected the Bucks to kind of lay down the hammer today, and they didn't, which was a little disappointing. I'm not gonna lie to you. But I, but what my disappointment kind of was dissipated by Marjan Beauchamp. Marjan Beauchamp had a fantastic game, 20-point game, career high for him, eight rebounds, and he looks the part. It's been a very long time, and I kind of want to do this exercise with Mitch a little bit, where it's like a rookie has emerged, and Marjan Beauchamp should be in the rotation. He might challenge for a starting position. You know, that fifth starter spot is still going to be open when Chris Middleton comes back from injury. Who takes that role? And Marjan Bochamp's making his case. Uh, he's been really impressive on both ends of the court. He was extremely good in this game, creating his own shots, making things happen in transition. I, I think this kind of the sky's the limit, right? And so now you take this Bucks team that, when healthy, they're going to have Pat Conton, they're going to have Chris Middleton, they're going to have Joel Ingles. And then you add Bochamp into the mix and you're basically adding yet another rotation player, another player to throw at te teams. And Bochamp frustrates people on, on the wing. It's kind of, it's he's not as good defensively, but it's like what the Sixers kind of hoped with Matisse Thibel on both sides, right? They hoped that Matisse Thibel would actually be an offensively competent guy. And he never he never amounted to that. He could not shoot the, shoot the basketball at all. But Thibel was such a dog defensively that you like had to keep him out there. Bochamp's a dog defensively, but he also can score. He also can dunk and, and just and when I say dunk, obviously everyone can dunk, but I, I mean in the sense of like he can take it and jam on somebody and it's not a problem. And that's that just has to excite you. You have to be fired up by the play of Marjan Bochamp and what that ceiling could bring for the Milwaukee Bucks. And I can't be that mad about this loss, right? Like, not only uh, did the Bucks loot, you know, obviously they lost, but they're they're the walking wounded. They didn't have Drew Holiday. They didn't they they lose in the game 
Grayson Allen and Wes Matthews. Grayson Allen to an ankle sprain. Wes Matthews to hamstring soreness. Bucks are running out of bodies, guys. And we have to just sort of strap in for a little bit. We can't can't rush to any sort of conclusion, any sort of, you know, being like, oh, let's throw dirt on this Bucks team. Like, no, we it's just it's one of those things where injuries have overtaken us. I think I saw a stat today that the Bucks have lost, you know, the most minutes of injuries except for the Orlando Magic this season. So you can't, again, can't put too much stock in it. You have to just take it game by game and not not freak out and just, you know, sort of understand that a lot of this is based off of the Bucks do not have a full deck of cards. And uh, the hope, I think, for every one of us is that the Bucks have that mostly starting in December when they are on the road a bunch. Um, and then once Ingles comes back, the deck will be full. And will there be other injuries that pop up? Sure. Absolutely. Um, it's, again, part of the sport. But I, I do I do think we all should sort of proceed with caution here and not necessarily freak out and not get too high or too low with the Bucks for the next couple of weeks. And maybe that's what it takes. It sucks that there's going to be two Cleveland games now in the next 10 days. Uh, you you kind of would like to avoid stuff like that when you're, you know, beat up. Uh, if you could get one, like, and they're both at home, so that's kind of to your advantage, right? You get the home crowd. Like if they could, they could get the one Wednesday. Then Black Friday becomes a little house money since you have four against them. Uh, but if you lose again on on Wednesday, then you have to you have to come with it on Black Friday. You can't lose both, and that would be kind of catastrophic. And unfortunately, just like Atlanta, Cleveland's able to sort of collapse the paint on Giannis. And use their big guys because they're not afraid of anybody on the outside. And maybe that's what Marshawn Bochamp becomes. But I don't. I don't think he's there. He's there just yet. So I think there. There's more to go. I also think Bobby Portis needs to improve. Right. I. I just. I think Bobby's had a really tough year. Uh, I think some of the shooting has been awful. Uh, there's a lot of regression slash. Like, did this guy just cash out on a contract? I'm not ready to go that far. Uh, I think that's a little intense, but I, I need Bobby to play better. Uh, I just do. He's not he's not at the level of where he needs to be, and he's had a couple moments here and there this season, but we need more from Bobby Portis, and he needs to play within the offense. Uh, way too many you know, first-half stat lines where Bobby has jacked up five threes and he's missed all of them. Like, what the fuck's that about? Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if – you know, Bobby can kind of dial that in. Maybe just, you know, some coach being like, hey, man, just play your game. Don't try to solve everything. Just because we have a bunch of guys out doesn't mean that it's Bobby Porter's time. It's still, you're still part of a team. And I, I hope we get more of that from Bobby Porter's because it's been a rough start, man. And I know he's had a couple of good games, but it's there's it's mired in a lot of bad. And I, in the last few have been, been awful. Like Oklahoma City was awful. Minnesota, San Antonio was awful. Tonight, awful. So, like, I need more from Bobby Portis, and I hope that comes around. All right, let's wrap up with Chuck's Corner. For those unfamiliar, Chuck's Corner is kind of just a free space for me to talk. Uh, bullshit. Usually about non-sports stuff, but every now and again, sports bleeds into it. And I wanted to talk about Lambo. I know I mentioned it a couple times that I was there on Sunday. Let's talk about the standing. So... Everybody bitches all the time about people who do not stand at Lambeau Field, 
right? It's very annoying. They they call it entitled town. Everybody believes that the Packers should have everybody standing. But you get those cranky old assholes who are like, sit down, all this bullshit. My dad is famous for doing this. He's done that at baseball games. He actually did. I think he did it at Packer game years ago. Hate to say it, but he, he did. Okay. I've now went, the last two Packer games I went to, the Seattle game, the Dallas game, sat in similar seats. It was like 13 rows up. Yeah, they were really great seats. I, I was standing the entire time, right? Like, I, I didn't really sit down. I sat down for, like, commercial breaks and stuff. But we were standing for most of that game, and nobody was yelling at us. So I'm starting to wonder if the whole idea of telling people to sit down is kind of over. Maybe in certain spots, maybe in certain areas, no one's standing. But if you're close to the field, you're kind of on your feet. And there was no policing of it at all. No one, no one sort of said to another person, like, hey, sit down. Like, the only thing we had that was slightly dramatic was this old lady just kept bitching about people not in their seats. And she, I think, created too much room and then really squeezed us out in the fourth quarter. Like, I was pissed off in the third quarter where I, I wanted to switch with my wife because I was on the other side. So I was like, oh, this is bad luck. It's bad juju. Turned out it wasn't. But I swear she like made herself into two seats. And I think there has to be a little bit better of regulation. I realize I want to keep Lambo Lambo, but I think way too many times you have sort of this mosh pit mentality inside the stands. I've had friends who deal with it, who got kicked out for bullshit reasons because there was not enough people for the seats. It was very weird, very bizarre. And I think more of that's going to happen because people are getting very particular about where they want to sit. And I, I looked at our row and I, it really started with a son and a father. And they, they were both big dudes. Like the son, and this kid was young. I don't know. He's probably like nine or 10, whatever. But like they were both bigger guys. And I, I think they were taking up three seats. And it, it all sort of starts at the top of the stake. And if they were squeezed in and they were doing a little bit better job of that, maybe then we don't have, maybe you don't have the bitching and complaining. But I, I just think standing is more of a common practice than it's wanting to believe. I think it's very trendy to be like, oh, they told us to sit down and stuff like that. Like, I'm like, I don't think that's happening as much as people make it out to be. Um, like I said, we stood the entire time. Like, it was not a sitting down watching. And had someone had yelled at us, I think it would have just been a look. Said, you know, we're we're gonna stand, you know, or or respect and sit down and and everything like that. But yeah, I'm not I'm not big on it. Like I just don't think it's as big of a thing as as people make it out to be. And maybe it is. Maybe there are some areas that are just terrible. But yeah, I I think that narrative about Lambo can be retired. And I thought it was very loud in there, right? I thought it was it was rocking. And every, the vibes were good uh, besides the thir third quarter. And hoping to get back there, hopefully this year, maybe next year. We'll, uh, that definitely, not definitely next year, but hopefully maybe, maybe there's a window to get back up for December or January. All right, that does it for today's show. I hope you guys enjoyed that. Like I said, at the Open, it is a fun week. Uh, we are pushing everything up. So we will do... Mitch tomorrow, tapping the keg, I think 484. I don't know what I have in store for El Micho, uh, but it will be good, promise. Then we'll do keg jams again uh, with Shannon, volume two coming out, dropping. 
uh, Thursday for Thursday's show. Uh, real quick on the scheduling, we'll talk about this when we do keg jams. But it, you know, I said every other week, what we're gonna do just so it's it's a it's a true collaboration uh, with what Shannon does from a DJ perspective is we're gonna do them when he has big shows coming up that weekend, so you guys know to check him out and know where he's gonna be at. Um, so it's kind of it's gonna be a little bit on a need to know basis, but I still. I still don't see any problem with that. I still, I think it'll be good. I think maybe this will go back to back because I would assume he's going to be busy uh, Thanksgiving weekend. We all know about Blackout Wednesday. I'm sure they don't call it Blackout Wednesday anymore. Like, I don't think you can, You, I'm sure on your like flyers and stuff, you can't call it Blackout Wednesday, but it is Blackout Wednesday. Like I, I personally um, will not be partaking in downtown activities that day. Um, I can already tell you. Being out at the Burbs and having Turkey Bowl the next day and trying to get bets in and get everything ready for Thursday. Uh, but I will say this that if, and like, I don't know, I, if my wife doesn't go, we'll, this should be another Chuck's Corner. We, I want, we'll talk about this. I'll, I'll save this. But basically, I want to do like our towny bars around here. Like, we have like three that are in walking distance. Uh, we have, well, Two in walking distance, one's a pizza place, but I, I think it's like pizza plus a dive bar. And then there's Nichols, which is a little bit farther, but it's still in like walking range. Like it's still 15 minutes away. So you could, or the Brass Tap, which is again, 10 minutes away. So you have like five places you could do. Like you could do a whole towny ass bar crawl with a bunch of just, and I guess there's a great like suburb bar night. Like I always loved the Club Tap and Tosa when I lived in Wautosa or I was coming back from college. So, like, I, I would imagine the vibe would be similar at a lot of these bars on that night. So, anyways, uh, that is it's in that's in the queue. If I there's a potential, I might get down to downtown for a Bucks game that day. But if I don't, uh, that's definitely happening. <laughs> okay, like you can you can lock that in. Um, okay, so yes, uh, Shannon on on Thursday, and then uh, for yeah, so Wednesday's pod, so Thursday, so we'll do a little betting lines in that. We'll kind of weave that in. Uh, so should I bet will be part of that segment. Well, we'll do half of it. We'll do the we'll do Packers Titans. We'll talk a little bit about those lines, and then I'll do Badgers Nebraska on Friday show as with the Packer recap, the Golden Kegs, and then we'll kind of get ready for the weekend. We'll talk Badger Badger football. I don't think I don't know if Marquette plays. Marquette actually plays Thursday night, uh, which I will not be watching. I will DVR it. I'll check it out later, uh, but I will not. I will not be. Uh, witnessing Long Island versus Marquette uh, at the same time as Tennessee and Green Bay. That's why I need to do two TVs, man. At some point, I will be getting two TVs for the basement. So then we then I won't have this problem anymore. I'll just be in my basement watching both games, enjoying it, loving life. But we've got a little ways to go before before we get to that level. All right. Take care. We'll see you. Mitch and I tomorrow is happy to keg 484. And have a good one, Tappers. Take care. Bye.